ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. Hello, everyone. I'm Danny Pellegrino. I'm Jenna Brister. And we are back for season four of a very, very, very iconic, iconic podcast. podcast where the two of us recap all the holiday movies we love and some that we don't love so much. Yes, thank you so much for tuning in. Tis the season. That's right. We're covering some classics this year. We are recapping the entire Santa Claus trilogy. We're going to be diving into a Halloween movie this year. Yes, Hocus Pocus 2. That's right, the sequel. We also have I'll Be Home for Christmas during Jonathan Taylor Thomas. So we are leaning into the home improvement of it all. And if you want to follow along, you can go to Instagram. It's at a very merry iconic podcast on Instagram. And be sure to Listen, subscribe, tell a friend. Have a very merry, iconic day. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com. This is the relevant podcast. It's Tuesday, March 15th, 2022, and it's The Relevant Podcast. Here in Orlando, I'm your birthday boy, Cameron Strang. And joining me from Loverland, Virginia, it's Jesse Carey. Hello, hello. From Austin, Texas, author... Sorry, she's in Denver again. Uh, author, speaker, <laughs> podcaster, Jamie Ivey. Hey, guys. And from Nashville, Tennessee, artist, producer, mogul, Derek Miner. What up, though? You know what? Today, literally today is my birthday. Tuesday, March 15th. Happy birthday, Cameron. Happy birthday. Thank you. You know who else I share a birthday with? This is the truth. Michael Scott from The Office. Not Steve Carell. Michael Scott from The Office shares my birthday, March 15th. How do we know this? Because there's an episode where he says, I share my birthday with Eva Longoria, which will be a great opening line if I ever meet Terry Hatcher. And if you look up Eva Longoria's actual birthday, it's March 15th. So there you go. Michael Scott, Eva Longoria, and Cameron Strang, and Julius Caesar was murdered on my birthday. So there you go. Beware the Ides of March. Oh happy episode 951. Cameron, uh, happy wow. birthday. And, wow. uh, you know, I've been I've been in full birthday mode uh, for about two weeks now. My, my son, <laughs> it was Thank his you. birthday. And I, me and my wife took him and eight of his buddies to a minor league hockey game, uh, oh, which he nice. wanted to do. And let me say this about minor league hockey. It's the perfect way to celebrate a birthday because you can scream, you can act, you can behave however you want because I guarantee you, you'll be behaving better than the players on the ice. And it was total. I saw, I saw like six fights. There was one time, yeah. there was two fist fights at the yeah. same time. There was two separate, unrelated fist fights at the same time on the ice. This minor league, this is last stop for these cats. Okay, this is the dream dies here, right? Oh, like, like this is the type of minor league where, like I said, it is it is nothing to lose hockey. Okay, I and think your minor league team plays our minor league team. They're the Solar, the solar Bears, Bears. I think plays I, well. I went to yeah. see them play the Solar Bears. Not like this minor league actively encourages fights. Like during the timeouts, <laughs> they don't replay highlights from the game. They don't replay goals. They replay in slow mo punches that landed from fights no like, way that was, they encouraged oh yeah like actively actively like encourage it, it was like it. i'll say this it was a great time and i <laughs> i fully support minor league hockey i think it was better than nhl hockey which i find very boring 
you know, but we these need, minor league guys, to, I, I've never been to a solar bears game. So maybe we do that when you come down. Uh, I know that the season's going on right now because they use the same arena that the magic do and they yeah. put the, the basketball court over the ice. And so when you're sitting near the court, it's always really cold because the hockey rink is underneath you. Well, I'll say this. I don't even know what they're fighting over. I don't even know what the grievance was. I, I, I have such loose understanding of the rules of hockey. I think some of them, they were just fighting because it was getting boring. It had been a while since any goals had happened. So like, all right, we got to entertain the people. You and me, let's throw down. One of us getting punched right in the face. Let's Dude, do this right here. I went to one hockey game my whole life is when I was living in Nashville. I went to a Predators game and I'd never been before, never seen a game, never don't know the rules. And so first period ends, you know, then the second period ends and I'm thinking two periods, it's, it's over. So like I, le- I go to leave and my friends were like, where are you going? And I'm like, I thought the game was over. I didn't know there were three. Why are there three? That's really weird. Anyway, yeah, it, it, is, it is odd. That is an odd is weird. number. Like yeah, literally. The, two halves the, or quarters. The, the, this, this hockey team, and this is why I appreciate it. Shout out to the Norfolk Admirals. Uh, uh, I'm, I'll, give them, I'll, drop the, I'll name drop them. Shout out to the Admirals because the, the team management has just seemed to understand that minor league hockey and hockey in general is not the greatest spectator experience, right? So we're going to find ways to inject some danger. Not only are we actively encouraging the players to fight each other throughout the entirety of the game. <laughs> Like they, this was like their big promotion. You could buy these little hockey pucks for a dollar. And at one point between periods, you throw them onto the ice and and they each have a number on it. And the one that gets closest to the center of the ice, they pull the number and you win a prize or something. They're throwing them from all over the arena, and only about half of them are making their own the ice. <laughs> Everyone else, is, especially if you're down by the glass, is just d- d- ducking because they're telling people in the stands to throw hockey pucks as far and as hard as they can and not caring about where, like I said, maybe half end up on the ice. The other are just kind of, you know, shoot, it's basically a hockey puck fight in the crowds, <laughs> like, like a snowball fight, but with hockey pucks. The other thing, too, is between periods, they brought a four-wheeler out on the ice and just had a guy do donuts. That was the entertainment, okay? Like, you know, at a magic game, you'll have like, you know, frisbee dogs or yeah, or, or, yeah. or yeah. some, you know, weird trapeze we, artist. We had doing a like, gymnast dog thing yesterday. That, that's what I'm game. saying. There's like yeah. hula hoops and, and 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 ramps and you know yeah. BMX bikes and and all this. This is. Hey, I wonder if we what happens if we drive a four wheeler on the ice and just start doing donuts out there. And there was no like. It wasn't like some kind of program. I think the guy just worked at the arena and I didn't get the impression he had done this before, but like, how are we going to entertain people before periods? I don't know, man. It'd be pretty cool to see a guy drive a four wheeler down on the ice for a little while. Hey, I got an idea. Why don't we have people throw hockey pucks at him? Like the driving range with the range cart, you know, that's basically the level of entertainment. I was here for it. I think minor oh league gosh. hockey should, I think hockey should adopt what soccer does where like the minor leagues of soccer if you win the championships and you get really good as a minor league soccer team, you can get called up to MLS, yeah. you know, and they do that in Europe too. Relegation. And then, yeah. And then relegation. If you're, if you're the worst major league ah. team, you can get demoted down to minor league. Like oh. I think that would, that would be really cool for these guys who are like playing for their hockey lives. You know, they're trying to like if bad news bears sort of stories, you know, where they're fighting, they actually didn't make it to the major leagues. That'd be amazing. Well, I was going to say, I've watched every season of Ted Lasso and you just made it all make sense to me right now. I watched the whole thing and I never understood what that meant when they were going the up and down league. in the league. Yeah. yeah thank you. Everything yeah. just came 
Full circle for me. <laughs> hey, I got an even better idea. They should do that with halftime entertainment. If afterwards the audience gets the vote, how entertained were you? And if it doesn't reach a certain threshold, a minor league high. So you could be in the NHL and watch this random, you know, maintenance guy for the Admirals out on a four wheeler right between periods. And we get the Frisbee dogs because he was more entertaining. It's going to encourage, it's going to encourage these halftime things to get a lot more reckless if you're going down to you know uh, you know Toledo if you're going to be at the Mud Hens next week I think you're going to up your game a little quick change I'm looking at you quick change oh no they died or he died quick change oh no it's sad end of an era yeah anyway he died because of COVID quick change what's quick change Quick Change was this husband and wife that literally is this halftime show they became legendary they were like the most famous NBA halftime show where they literally would just I don't even know how to describe it, Jesse. Uh, they, they would, would change, change clothes, clothes 30 quickly. times in a split second. <laughs> oh my gosh. He'd be wearing a tuxedo and then he would spin and he's wearing like a gray jumpsuit. And you're like, how? It made no sense. No. It was funny. I was talking about quick change. Uh, uh, for real, it, it is the one. It is the one thing I haven't. I've been. I, I refuse to watch like a YouTube video revealing like the secret of quick change I, because I, it's too. When you for real talk, you know, I'm sad to hear that one of the members of Quick Change is no longer with us. But real talk in their prime, yeah. which I've witnessed many performances, and they were like on America's Got Talent. It was phenomenal. Like I mean, they're in ball gowns and they do one spin, and suddenly they're in like medieval garb. It was it was unbelievable. I, I have it, no idea how they do it. it, it it's my, my, I'll send you a video afterwards. Well, hey, we yeah. this is a big show. This is a game-changing show. This is a BCAD moment for the Relevant Podcast and for Relevant. Uh, and we will be telling you more about our big news. Tyler and Emily are going to join me in the next segment. We're going to tell you all about it. But this week, Relevant Plus launched, and it has direct impact on this show and a lot of the other stuff we're doing. The magazine enters a new era. There's some new podcasts we're launching. There's a lot of stuff happening this week. Relevant Plus, I'll tell you all about it. Stay tuned right after the break. Listening to Alfie Templeman. The song is broken. You know what's not broken? Our next guest. No, I'm kidding. Uh, please welcome to the show Tyler Huckabee and Emily, downtown Emily Brown, back from Paris. Hey, Emily. Hey, guys. Not broken. Not You guys are that's, not that's, broken. That is, yeah, we what are a not compliment. Broken. Yeah. <laughs> that's great. <laughs> uh, I wanted, uh, so they're joining us, and, and the cast will come back in the next segment. So, um, But this is a big day for, for the old Relevant Media Group. Uh, we have a big announcement, and I'm excited to tell you guys about it. Uh, literally launching today is uh, Relevant Plus, our new digital subscription plan, I guess. <laughs> and uh, basically it's this. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we are, you know, it's a new era of publishing. We've been doing the magazine a long time. And so we wanted like we wanted to double down on, you know, what we can do in digital media. And so uh, part of digital or part of Relevant Plus is going to be an enhanced magazine experience. Uh 
we uh, we have created a tablet and mobile edition of the the quarterly digital magazine. Uh, brought it to life with magazine level layouts and um, motion, and it's a great reading experience. Uh, it's also ad free for subscribers. And it'll be released a week early uh, f- from the web version of the article. So you get with Relevant Plus subscriptions, you'll get the digital magazine early, you'll get it ad free, and you'll get a beautiful experience uh, reading it. You'll also have uh, subscribers will get an ad free reading experience on the website on relevantmagazine.com. You'll get unlimited articles uh, each month. Uh, we have added a paywall. Sorry, everybody. You know, pay. Um, uh, but uh, subscribers will get unlimited. Also, and I talked about it, it affects this podcast. Uh, subscribers will get an ad free edition of this podcast as, as a separate, you know, feed that you'll have, subscribers will have ad free and released early. So the new schedule for the podcast is that subscribers will continue to get it on the Tuesday and Friday schedule that you know. Then the public ad supported version of the show will come out on Thursdays and Mondays uh, moving forward. So uh, you'll get it two or three days early if you're a subscriber and you will get no ads, which I know is a a plus for a lot of people. (laughs) Plus relevant plus subscribers will get a new podcast called the relevant plus conversations. And people have been asking for this, you know, here on the show, you'll hear five, eight minutes with, you know, huge name person or a faith leader or whatever. Uh, relevant plus conversations is the full conversation unedited 45 minutes long, 30 minutes long, the full conversation. You'll hear everything that they said. And it's cause there's so much that's left on the cutting room floor. Yeah. We just wanted to give you guys the opportunity to hear everything that that person is saying. And so that'll be a weekly show that'll come out exclusively for relevant plus subscribers. Plus, uh, subscribers will get 20% off at the relevant store.com and other perks throughout the year. So, Launching today, if you go over to relevantmagazine.com, you will see it right there. There's three subscription options. It's as low as $1.75 a month. So you don't need to gripe. It's $1.75 a month, people. Come on. You can uh, you can afford that and you can support the media that you care about. We're just an independent team and it will be a game changer for us. Um, Relevant Plus is something we've been working on for a very, very long time. I mean, upwards of a year. Launches today. So uh, part of that launch is the spring issue of Relevant is um, releasing today for subscribers. It'll release next week, uh, public ad supported on the website, but the enhanced digital magazine, enhanced tablet edition releases today. If you subscribe, you'll get the link right there to download it. And uh, we wanted to tell you about it. We want to tell you about our spring issue. We are very excited about it. It has a ton of great content. In fact, right before we started recording, we're like, well, which ones do we want to highlight? And I'm like, all of them. Like, they're, <laughs> I, I don't know what we would gloss over. This is no a great skips. lineup. No skips. So, no <laughs> skips. That's right. Um, so, uh, that's why we had Tyler and Emily come on. Um, they're going to tell us about the new issue. Uh, and we'll start off with the cover. We have a cover story with a up and coming. Up and coming little actor that you might have heard of named Ryan Reynolds. What in the world? The biggest movie star in the world is on the cover of Relevant Magazine. Uh, man, this was, I, you you and Emily both know, <laughs> Cameron and Emily, how like touchy, like when I started telling you, I think like we're having conversations, it could happen. And it felt very, very tenuous for a long time. And Cameron, you were the one who said, we got to believe it's going to come through. And and it did, even when I stopped believing, 
uh, you, your faith carried us through, and we did get a conversation <laughs> with with Ryan Clark, Reynolds. Can you queue up Journey real quick? Don't yeah, stop. give us a little Journey. To, to, <laughs> I think he'd like that. Uh, but we had a really good conversation with him, sort of about a new phase in his career, a new and a new phase in his personal life that that sort of co are, are, are happening simultaneously. That he talked to us a little bit about. Uh, that's part of his new movie, The Atom Project. Uh, I and uh, it really enjoyed that movie a lot, and definitely definitely enjoyed Ryan Reynolds. It's awesome. We also have uh, actually a, an influencer who's kind of, oh, I don't know, she came out of nowhere. I mean, she's on The Bachelor, I guess, and that's that was her shot to fame. But she has really taken the lead in, you know, the faith space and is really amazing content. Uh, Madison Pruitt is in the magazine. Yeah, uh, I was really excited to talk with her. Uh, I do watch The Bachelor. I have no shame in admitting that. Um, and so it was really fun. You are the target demographic, Emily. That's totally fine. I know, know, but there's still something a little cheesy about it. Anyway. It'd be weird if I was really excited about The Bachelor. You know, you like, are really excited about that. You love watching <laughs> that. <not>. Stuff. <laughs> you should. It's a great show. It's not a great show, but it's entertaining. Um, but I, so I had watched Maddie on this season, so I was really excited to talk with her because um, even on the show, you could tell there was something a little different about her, um, just the way that she carries herself, and it's been really interesting seeing her post Bachelor and seeing her um, just really like be very honest about her faith and her walk and her journey. She's a very just positive influence, especially for, you know, the target demographic because it's really hard right now. Um, but she's just <laughs> something that I think no matter if you are a fan of The Bachelor or if you are not the target demographic, you can just really be encouraged <laughs> by her. Um, so it was a really great conversation. Like I walked away yeah. kind of feeling like I've been a little preached to a little bit. It was really nice. So I go. hope you'll enjoy it. Uh, also in the magazine, one of my favorite filmmakers, uh, I'm, I'm enjoying his new show right now on, uh, uh the 1980s Lakers. Uh, oh yeah. I want to watch show. that. But Adam McKay, we have Adam McKay in the magazine. He, I mean, yeah. if you don't know, he did, I mean, he did don't look up, but he did, you know, stepbrothers and he, I mean, his IMDB is insane. He has such an interesting career because he started out doing these like kind of goofy, like Anchorman and stepbrother stuff. And then he made this really hard pivot to more serious drama stuff like don't look up vice. Uh, people probably remember the big short. And I didn't know what he, he wanted to talk to us. Like he get like, we heard from his people like Adam McKay wants to talk to a faith outlet. And I, we did not know why, but we, but we got on the call and, and I was not expecting that conversation. The, what the conversation we had was not the one I thought we were going to have. I really, really enjoyed it. It gave me a new level of respect for him. I'm really excited for people to read this conversation with him. Because or, he has or, a message specifically for Christians. Mm -hmm. talking, I mean, it was yeah, like, he wanted to talk uh, to a faith audience. He wanted someone yeah. to get what he thinks out, out to a religious crowd. And, and I, and I appreciated it. And, he, and he's a super nice guy too. It was just fun to talk to him. Yeah. Uh, speaking of super nice guys, one of my heroes is in the magazine, Bob Goff. Is he a nice guy? <laughs> he is literally <laughs> Santa Claus meets Jesus meets. He's, he is, he is the real Santa deal. Bob's the best. <laughs> yeah, Bob's Bob's always love always love talking to Bob Goff. He's uh he he's got a he's uh if you know anything about Bob Goff, you know he's like going a million directions at once. He's 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 bouncing off the walls, and now he's entered a new season of life where he's trying to be less distracted and more focused on things that matter. So he talked to us a little bit about this uh this process, what this process has been like for him, and why he thinks it's important for us too. Uh, also in the mag, you know, we always have great artists and great music, and this is no exception. Uh, there's Judah and the Lion. We talked to them. They have a new album. Uh, here's a clip. They're single. So let's go take a walk downtown and I like it 
was such a good dude. He uh, he was uh, was interested to talk to us a little bit about. He's he's coming out like we all are, kind of on the other side of this pandemic. And like all of us, he's not quite the same person that he was when he went into it. So he talked a little bit about what the band has changed. It's a there's a shift in the lineup. There's also been a shift in their mentality and, and just what kind of music they want to create. Uh, so so I would do. I really really enjoy that band, and it was good to have like a substantive conversation about what kind of person are you? What has this season yeah. done to you? And how is that changing who you are artistically and creatively? Speaking of people changing over a period of time, Shauna Nequist is in the issue. She has a new book out and we got to catch up with her about what she's been up to for the last four years or so. She's had a lot of life changes. Uh, you know, obviously longtime listeners of this podcast know and love Shauna. Uh-huh. Um, she was on our cast for a long time. She's a good friend living in New York now. And uh, we finally catch up with her and uh, it's a great piece. We also look at, uh, you know, if you know me, I'm a hip hop fan. have been my whole life. My first <laughs> albums when I was eight years old. <laughs> hip hop um, And we look at the next gen of Christian hip hop. There's some amazing artists coming up and yeah. we wanted to shine, shine the light on them. One of my favorite rappers just in general, no big deal, is one of the ones highlighted. In fact, here's a clip of no big deal. Walked in like I'm Dexter, listening to Kesha. I don't mean to stress you, but you know that I'm the next up. Don't be gassing me, I'd rather speed off in the Tesla. Had to flee the scene, I left the beat off in the stretcher. Yeah, look, tell them boys catch up. We also talked to, there's a lot of people in this that, that we talked about this like kind of new wave of Christian hip hop. You got people like Wande in there. We got Aaron Cole in there. We got 1K Few is in there. Tons of new artists. And people, this is, I think people have a, sometimes don't believe me when I say this, but it really is true. The Christian rap scene is awesome right now. Like it is really, really fun to listen to these guys. And people don't people will like make fun of you for saying that. But if you listen to it, you if you listen to the artists that we spotlight in this piece, you will it'll make a believer out of you. This is a this is a really, really fun time to be listening to faith based hip hop. And these people really do bring a lot of heat. I want to highlight two more articles. There's several others. I'll list them out, but two others I want to highlight. One I, I don't know how. Magic Mike got in the magazine, but we have Channing Tatum. We got him because I've been praying for Channing Tatum. That's how we got him. <laughs> Channing Tatum and relevant? What? Yeah. What is going on? Um, that one, I will fully take that one because I love Channing Tatum. Um, I definitely don't have shame in that. Um, it was really fun to talk with him. He's very goofy and very funny. Um, and it was just, it was a really great time. And probably the highlight of my time since i've been here if i if i'm being honest <laughs> really i will wait staff meeting is it are you just, uh, we staff meeting a is a close meeting? second not but uh not the deadlines <laughs> <laughs> i i will confess that whenever somebody says the name channing tatum the face that pops into my head is john cena you thought for like i think several months working on this that it was the it was john cena and at some point we realized that you were thinking 100%. about a different person. I would like to go on record. I would love to talk to John Cena as well. I feel like that would be a yeah. great conversation. <laughs> this is not Mr. Cena. If you're listening, you absolutely yeah. would be in the magazine if you want to. talk. Absolutely. To you. Hey, I thought you were in the magazine. So come on, John Cena. Um, and then uh, last artist I want to highlight. Brooke Ligerwood is uh, in the mag. She has a new album that just dropped. It's fantastic. Here's a clip. We 
also talk about the great resignation in our generation. We talk about soberish, how uh, that's the name of the article, soberish, uh, how uh, this generation is drinking less. And we talk about that. Uh, why? Um, we have uh, art, indie artist Maisie Peters in the magazine. We talk about how international justice work has changed because of the pandemic. And we wanted to kind of like catch everybody up on like what's going on now. Um, and there's a, you know, there's more. I mean, go check it out uh, right now. If you are signing up for Relevant Plus, you can get it today. And if you are a freeloader and you want to wait, uh, the articles will be on our website <laughs> next week. <laughs> Support independent journalism, people. Yeah. One seventy five a month. Come on. Anyway, I know I do know. In all seriousness, I do know the paywall can be kind of a bummer. Uh, we've all experienced that. Like, oh, man, I don't. But it really this is going to help us do a bit, create better stuff like this is exciting for the people who work here because we really want to like stretch our wings and do more creative, interesting things. And having stuff like this will give us the ability to do that. So if you yeah, I understand if this it's is a how we get John Cena, this is how we get John <laughs> in the mag. But, you know, honestly, we we as we were working on Relevant Plus, we had a plan for the paywall that would have been restrictive. It would have, I mean, it would have, if you like our content, it would have limited your ability to, and, 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 you know, engage it. And so we lifted the paywall number, uh, for free. You can read up to eight articles a month now, um, at our site, um, you know, ad supported and everything. But if you are a relevant plus subscriber for as low as one seventy five a month, no ads, unlimited, and you get all this extra content as well. So we'd love for you to support it and uh, go check it out. It's just go to relevantmagazine.com. You'll see how to sign up. There's three different options. And uh, yeah, I'm excited for you guys to see this issue. It's really fantastic. Great job, guys. All right, stay tuned. Up next, the cast returns for Slices. Oh, my head, I Two dwellers, the song is Float Through the Ceiling. Well, today's show is brought to you by BetterHelp Online Therapy. Relationships take work, especially the most important one you can have in your life, your relationship with yourself. Taking care of yourself can look like a lot of different things, like eating right, exercising, or seeking professional counseling. This month, BetterHelp Online Therapy wants to remind you that therapy is a great way to make sure you show up for yourself. It's a helpful resource that gives you space to freely discuss and process the ups and downs of life. BetterHelp is online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist, so you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. It's much more affordable than in-person therapy, and you can be matched with a therapist in under 48 hours. Give it a try and see why over 2 million people have used BetterHelp Online Therapy. Right now, Relevant Podcast listeners can get 10% off their first month at BetterHelp.com slash Relevant. That's B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P dot com slash Relevant. Okay, it's time for Slices. Please welcome Derek, Jamie, and Jesse back to the show. Jesse, what do you got this week? I, I have a I have a twofer, and I'll keep the first one short, but I, I know we're all Office fans, and I saw this anecdote. It was on the Office Ladies podcast recently. Uh-huh. Uh, Paul Lieberstein, who plays Toby, and he's also uh-huh. one of the, the writers and producers, one-time showrunner of The Office. And he I revealed he was a, a really, showrunner at one point. Yeah, wow. he was, uh, I think for like three seasons, he was a showrunner. Um, oh, but uh, he had a really funny story 
Uh, and I just feel like, you know, we're in town these days when I'm stressed, I, I fire up old office episodes on Peacock. Like I just love the office. Right. And you guys remember the one beef I had, one of the beefs I've had is on the Koi Pond episode where Michael Scott goes into an office building and falls into like a decorative Koi Pond in like the atrium right, right. area. And, you know, it, 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 I mean, I don't need to dissect the plot, but that element of it just seemed very unrealistic to me. Right. Like it, what kind of office would have a koi pond that you could fall into without that being some kind of liability? <laughs> like even by Michael Scott standards, My like dad's this is the man- office in the 80s had a koi pond right around the front entrance as you walked in. Well, so, well, you know, even because my thinking, even by Michael Scott's standards, this is a man who drove his Sebring into a lake, uh, Lake Wapampom Pack. Uh, you know, this is, you know, this like I refuse to believe that this would happen okay. to anyone, even someone like Michael Scott. Turns out that story actually happened to Paul Lieberstein at a meeting in Hollywood. He was with a uh, a friend and they both decided that it'd be very unprofessional to enter the meeting by chewing with, with gum in their mouth. So they saw a trash can across the lobby. They jogged over to spit the gum out. Somehow, Paul Lieberstein tripped and fell into a koi pond. And all of the many of the jokes that you hear, the people making fun of Michael, like yeah. he said, he had to run across the street to a sporting goods store and showed up to the meeting in a track suit because that's all he could find at <laughs> the sporting goods store that was dry clothes. But they kept. But they kept offering him water. They said, hey, do you want some more water? We heard you really like water during the meeting. And then he said his agent called after and said, we heard you made a big splash. So anyway, that actually happened. It's not just if you were worried about the plausibility of that episode, it's true. Worried about okay, it. Been thinking about, hold on real quick. Got to tell you, I like you been watching the office religiously. It's my go to watch yeah. it. I've seen every episode. I can recite them by every, every word. I don't know why, but I wanted to rewatch Parks and Rec recently. And this is probably yeah. my third time through Parks and Rec, but I hadn't seen it in a few years. And my in my mind, The Office is 10 and Parks and Rec was seven. Good show, yeah. but not quite. I, I'm going to reverse my memory. Oh. It is Parks and Rec is a superior and funnier show than The Office. I'm telling you, watch mm. it with fresh okay. eyes. It holds up better. There's more laughter. The Andy Dwyer character, it is funnier, it is sharper, the characters are better, everything about it is superior to The Office. I'm sorry. The Office, to me, started amazing and fell off in the later seasons. Parks and Rec starts strong and goes great, it becomes great. It only becomes better. And I'm just telling you, y'all who love The Office, go watch Parks and Rec. You'll tell me I'm right. So. I've, I've tried it and only made it through like three episodes. I think I've seen the first three episodes like three times and I don't ever make it past yeah. it. But like any show, it, it's finding itself that first season. Season two it's a short one. I think it's only six episodes. You know, it's what they were trying it out. Season two, it kicks into gear. Season three is even better. Season four is even better. I'm telling you, it becomes a, one of the best comedies you. of all time. If not the best sitcom of all time, it's really great. Really great. The best sitcom of all time. It's up there. It's up there. Tell me a better one. I mean, I'm a Seinfeld guy first. I'm just this guy second. Parks and Rec is laughs per minute. Y'all told me 30 Rock was the best one. It's up there for me too. It's top five. But, I think I think probably The Simpsons. I feel like you okay. can trace a lot of it back to that style of humor. You know, okay. yeah. a lot of. I mean, the one thing I will say about Parks and Rec is it gets way better after the whole subplot 
early on, like there's like two seasons where they're worried about filling a pit in Pawnee. Uh-huh. After they move on for that subplot, the, the, the show really kicks off. Really, really right? Like I feel yeah. like, yeah, but they, they were literally kind of stuck on that pit for a while. Like that, that was the narrative arc for like a season and a half, you know, yeah. but yeah. they also kind of fit. It went into that Simpsons mode where they realized the, like the Simpsons made Springfield and the people of Springfield, a character in the show when they realized mm. Pawnee and all the goofy little people in Pawnee, are a critical character and they kind of went to that Simpsons model where you know like the Simpsons would have an episode with like groundskeeper Willie well they might the Parks and Rec might have an episode with like sewage Pete or whatever but they realize the charm of the show is kind of uh, the eccentricities of the the kind of adjacent characters in Pawnee, yeah. I feel like it really kind of locked in. I'm telling um, you, uh, watch it again with fresh eyes. It holds up better than you remember. It's a great yeah. show. Anyway, what's your slice? Okay. Uh, so, uh, but by the way, Michael Schur, who uh, was one of the primary creative forces on The Office, who played Cousin Moe's, was, was the co-creator of Parks and Rec. Uh, also Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Um, yep. and, and, a hand, and The Good Place, a handful of shows. Anyway, um, but he played Cousin shows. Moe's. Yeah. Um, Okay. so there was recently a survey that uh, polled thousands of people. Um, It it was uh, uh, done by the University of Huddersfield. I believe that's in the UK with a a, um, ear care brand called Erex. Now, they wanted to do a survey to find what people determined to be the 30 saddest songs of all time. Now, I'm mm. not going to go into all 30, but if you guys had to determine what do you think the saddest like pop song of all time is, what would you say? So not like a, a symphony or an opera or something. I mean... The candle in the wind song, Princess Di died. Like like something by like Whitney Houston or something like that kind of thing. Whitney makes the list. I'm gonna say uh, I'm gonna say Bone Thugs and Harmony. Uh, uh, see you at the crossroads. That's a good uh-huh. one. Oh, that's a good dun, 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 one. Dun, dun, oh, I bet Boyz II Men is on there with his Boyz II Men is Jamie. You've named two. Whitney Houston's "I Will Always Love You" is number four, and yeah. Boyz II Men "End of the Road" is number mm-hmm. twenty-seven. Um, now the, uh, the number one, those are very sad songs. The number one, uh, I have a little issue with because I almost feel like it's become like a parody of a sad song. Like when you hear this playing, it's hard to take it serious as a sad song. Uh, that's because it's, it's REM's, uh, everybody hurts. I get it's a sad song, but I picture in my mind someone pretending melodramatically to be sad, like looking out of a rainy window or like holding a photo of, of a long lost loved one or something like it doesn't seem like a, a, a sad song I can really take seriously. Do you guys have a take on Everybody Hurts? It, it doesn't hold up for me. Like I, like you, it's become cliche. What is that? Just, Who is that? Who is that by? You, you would know it's one, one of those You'll you know, know it, it if you heard it. Like oh, yeah. everybody yeah. hurts. Yeah. Sometimes. What are what's the rest of the top yeah. five? Okay, so REM, everybody hurts is number one. Uh, Sinead O'Connor, uh, nothing compares to you. Nothing okay, that's haunting. That's a good. That's a good one. Nothing compares. Uh, Eric Clapton, tears in heaven. Uh, uh, yeah. Whitney okay. Houston, I will always love you. The Beatles, yesterday. Adele, someone like you. 
Um, yeah. I, I definitely see that. Now they also did uh, what they found to be the uh, the happiest song of all time, <laughs> and I don't know about this one. I don't know about it's walking on sunshine again. A song no. that seems like a parody of what a happy person would listen to. Like if I'm watching a movie and there's someone just like grooving down sunshine. the street and they're playing walking on sunshine, yeah. that feels like a parody. Yeah. Walking yeah. on sunshine. What, what, what else sunshine. is on the happy list? Uh, uh, let's see. Uh, Queens, Don't Stop Me Now and Dancing Queen by ABBA was on there. Now, in terms of they also did the the three most motivational songs of all time. Obviously, this is more. I'm, I'm just dun, big jock dun, jam. Dun, dun. I have the tiger. Number, yeah, I have the tiger at number one. So, uh, really interesting results. Um, Man, when I was a kid at the roller rink and that would come on, it's like I, you start skating a little faster, impress the girls, you know, like, oh, yeah, I have the tiger's going, you know, but. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, uh, you know, interesting, interesting results. But again, like the happiest and saddest, I feel like and the most motivational. Those are all parodies of what I think yeah. when someone wants to motivate themselves. But uh, hey, the polls don't lie, I guess. Yeah, I guess. All right. What do you have, Derek? <laughs> so um, President Biden signs an executive order on cryptocurrency. Yeah. Uh, what, tell me about that, that. I saw the headline. Right. So I'm just going to read the, the, the article and it, it, it lays it out pretty well. But President Joe Biden on Wednesday signed an. Ex- oh, hold on. I'll read it. President Joe Biden signs an executive order. Uh, on government oversight of cryptocurrency that urges the Federal Reserve to explore whether the central bank should jump in and create its own digital currency. Um, Janet Yellen says that the effort will promote a fair, more inclusive and more efficient financial system. So the idea is that they're they're saying like so far, crypto has not been really regulated much at all. Right. So what they're saying is the government is officially going to step in, look at whether we should create our own digital currency as far as a dollar equivalent, I guess. And then also um, not get in a way of responsible innovation. So crypto bros, you got one, you know, is what it's well, on the outside because we know how the government works. It's like, yeah, yeah we're just going to say, hey, this is just for innovation. And then they put all these regulations on it and then it turns into something totally different. So, but yeah, right now the president Biden signs executive order. You know what, that, yo, what's crazy about this. cryptocurrency that like people aren't talking about is the environmental impact of data mm-hmm. mining and the yeah. bit mining, mm-hmm. because for people to understand, like it's crunching all the time. And so you can set up a little like mining server in your house and you make money basically helping transact all this stuff. Right. But when you last year, China blocked data mining from China, like they won't allow it in China. So the number one data mining country in the world is America right now. And in America, the amount of data mining that's happening consumes enough or the same amount of energy and electrical power as the entire state of Washington right now. Wow. So it's like and it's like dirty energy, you know, it's like coal mine supported energy and whatever. And so the environmental impact and as cryptocurrency increases and grows and more mining is needed, more, more processing power is needed. It will, you know, the exponential impact of, of the environmental uh, toll it's going to take is really troubling. And so it's like, what do you do? (laughs) You know, because it's like deregulated nobody can stop you. And so it's like, that's, so it's interesting to see the government maybe saying, Hey, we might want to put some guardrails on, 
on this. So it'll be interesting. Well, the whole- it's also crazy to think with the same thing can be said for green energy in a sense, talking about like lithium batteries and, and all of that, like the, what it takes to make those batteries and then the waste and different things that will come along with that. You know, some people are saying, well, we may be in a worse shape than we are just depending on like oil and uh, uh, coal and stuff like that. So I think we're just at a, uh, an odd place where technology is so important to our lives, but then at the same time, you know, a lot of it is hurting the environment. So what do we do? You know, yeah, we're kind of at a we're kind of at a at a, at a place where we got to figure it out. Yeah. And the same goes for NFTs. You know, I've heard a lot of artists, you know, and you know, particularly visual artists, talk about you know the potential for NFTs. But you know, it's borderline just straight up unethical to mint a single NFT using like Ethereum, right? To create an NFT using the current blockchain technology. I read somewhere that it's the basically the power equivalent that the average American household will use to power their entire home for a day and a half for one NFT. Like to me, Dang. you know, again, wow. again, like I understand artists are pretty excited about it, but it seems like honestly, uh, th- and, I, and I mean that by like visual artists seem to be the people who are most excited about it because they're the ones that are going to profit from it. But, right. You know, they're the ones who have the most di- direct law. But I don't hear a lot of them talking about what they're doing to mitigate any of the environmental concerns, right. you know, much less the fraud concerns, which we've seen be pretty rampant here. <laughs> yeah, but I love- admit. Millions but, of dollars of people getting defrauded on NFT launches and stuff like that. Exactly. So. But 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 you could say the same for, you know, someone who basically is trolling a currency market like Elon Musk will do. We're, we're pump and dump schemes with meme cryptocurrencies that are doing nothing but destroy the environment. A lot of people investing in, in crypto right now aren't doing it for any of the principal reason that crypto was was doing it. They're doing it to try to make a quick buck yeah, and to, to, to buy low and dump it on somebody else. It just seems thanks. like, you know, again, what, what may have started well-intentioned has turned, I think, seems pretty nefarious at this point when you look at the environmental concerns and also just how rampant fraud is and not only just straight up fraud where someone's acting like they're selling you something you own but you won't own but also sort of like this like soft fraud of people conspiring to artificially inflate the value of a cryptocurrency only to try to dump it off and and watch that watch that value drop it just seems like I'm not saying the federal government should have regulate everything but it seems like there should be some oversight here yeah and the people that get the people that get taken advantage of the worst are that's guess who do, 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 the poor people, right? Mm-hmm. It's the poor people. It's the person that is like, man, well, I don't think I can afford to buy like Apple or I don't think I can afford to buy like Microsoft. So I'll buy this NFT, you know, I'll buy, put a lot of money into it and then it blows up and then they're in a worse position than they were before. Yep. So yeah, it's, we, <laughs> we are in a new world. I think the pandemic, sent us into a brand new world and I don't know where we're going. So interesting. Cool. Jamie, what do you have? 
What's your take well, on I, NFTs and blockchain? I have no take on this. Mm-hmm. You guys know when you guys start talking about this, I feel like I'm <laughs> sitting in Charlie Brown's classroom with his teacher, and I'm just like, wah, 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 wah. <laughs> She's like, I, I, I should have read that issue of People no Magazine. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, okay, so I have two things that I, well, I'm only going to bring one, and I made the decision just now which one I'm going to bring. So I just think that the couple, last couple times I've been on the show, we've talked about animals quite often. Like, we talked about the rats. We talked about the apes. And so I'm bringing a story about monkeys again. Okay. And I read this actually on the relevant uh, magazine and Publix is one of a few grocery chains who have stopped selling a controversial milk brand, which has been accused of using the monkey slave labor, slave labor. So, um, PETA. Yeah. You with me? Okay. So they... Are you are you here? Okay, so they went undercover to oh, yeah, eight yeah. Thailand farms to investigate the treatment of animals, and they allege that monkeys were forced to harvest coconuts while being chained to trees. They say many monkeys displayed repetitive behavior indicative of extreme mental anguish, including one of them who chewed on his own limbs. And it says that one coconut farmer Jeez. confirmed that when monkeys are terrified and try to defend themselves, they just pull their teeth out. And so they're claiming that these monkeys are being chained to trees. Uh, to pick coconuts and they want it to stop. And so it's coconut milk. Yes. And so it is a coconut milk and Publix is one of the last uh, grocers that have pulled it. And so I just thought that was interesting because I never would think that monkeys were being endangered in slavery. And I do want to say a caveat here that I do care about this, but I do not care about this in the magnitude that I care about like refugees who are having to leave their country. So it just feels, I always want to be like, I love people more than monkeys, but monkeys shouldn't be chained to trees. Why do I have to say that? I don't know, but there it is. Yeah, I mean, that, that, <laughs> that should be a given, but I, I had no clue that animals were the workers harvesting coconuts for coconut milk. I, mean, I just assume, I don't I even mean, know what I thought. Labor, how harvest right. It. Right. Yeah. I don't know what I thought happened, but I didn't think monkeys were involved. Yeah, I we I saw the headline that Publix was like, you know, banning this certain brand of coconut milk and because of monkey slave labor. And I was like, monkey slave labor is a thing? I had no clue. I, anyway, it's like when yeah, the world uh, figured out the that like there. the diamond industry was running on like war and blood diamonds and stuff. And yeah. it's like everybody's like, well, I don't know if I want diamonds now. And I, well, I'm out on coconut milk. We are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're going to go full fat, full fat cow milk in this house yep, from now on. No more healthy stuff. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Wow. That's why I, I don't I don't dabble with non just eggnog thick milk <laughs> in my home. It is it is from a really I, I mean, fat and happy cow, you know, just the only the only exceptions for the only exception we'll make is Yoohoo, in which we consume in copious amounts. And I don't even think that claims technically to be a milk based product. So I think well, we're uh, clear ethically there. <laughs> Man. You'll be in trouble when you start looking up the dairy industry. You just, yeah. you just get For rid real. of milk altogether. <laughs> I, I'm off milk. I, I we we do. We do oat milk here. And, yeah, I do uh, oat milk as well. Too. And I'm oat like, but milk. now do I need to look and see if any animals are harvesting the oat? Like, I need to make sure that we're good on the oat industry because I didn't Man. think ethical issues were in play for the coconut industry. 
bird slavery or something for oats. There's no telling, <laughs> man. Like we, <laughs> man, humans will enslave whatever the humans can to make their job easier. Like just what? Why can't we just be like, look, hey guys, we're gonna pay you a a, a wage for yep. for coconuts. It's like, no, I got a better idea. Let's not pay anybody and let's enslave some monkeys. Like what the heck is going yeah. on, man? Listen, I will say this. Jeez. That's why I'm converting slowly over to all you who when it comes to dairy because. <laughs> That's that's just runoff from candy factories. Right, all, they do, all they do is collect the runoff. They collect the runoff from candy factories, you know, and then chill Put it, it and bottle. bottle it. I mean, yep. it's going to end up in the oceans. We might as well drink it. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, I like it. All right. Well, that'll do it for Slices. Stay tuned. Up next, Lisa Sharon Harper joins us. Listening to Elevation Worship, Chris Brown and Brandon Lake. The song is Lion. Well, today's show is also brought to you by He Gets Us, a national campaign influencing millions to think differently about Jesus. Through broadcast ads, social media videos, and digital marketing, the He Gets Us campaign is connecting with people in the middle of their daily routines. More importantly, it's introducing those who are skeptical about faith to the radical love of Jesus by intentionally focusing on how relatable his experiences were. Within a couple months, uh, they've had over 31 million views on YouTube, not to mention Facebook, IG, and broadcast networks, while focusing on just 10 test markets. And actually, this past weekend, you saw He Gets Us roll out. If you're watching any of the March Madness stuff, um, they have a billboard in Times Square. He Gets Us is going wide. And you know what? If anybody in your life uh, has seen those uh, videos and are wondering what the story is or heading, you know, maybe asking you for answers, you can be ready by visiting HeGetsUsPartners.com. That's hegetsuspartners.com. There's a lot of resources, videos, studies, a lot of stuff there. And you find out more about the team behind it. Well, our guest today is Lisa Sharon Harper. She's a Christian speaker, writer, artist, and activist who speaks on the intersection of social justice and faith. She's also the founder of freedomroad.us, which is a consulting group dedicated to bringing people together under a common understanding. She recently released her latest book, Fortune, which focuses on her family's history to analyze how race has affected America and how it can be repaired for a better future. She is also uh, featured in the spring issue of Relevant, the digital issue that we just told you about. Uh, There's a piece by Lisa in there as well. You don't want to miss it. Well, she sat down with uh, Tyler to discuss where America can go from here to build a stronger future for all people. Here's our conversation with Lisa Sharon Harper. On the other side of this book, do you feel like the way forward, is, is it possible? Are, are you hopeful for this change? Or are you, would do you say the enormity is uh, is even more looming, even larger in your mind than it was before you started working on this? I think that my understanding of the depth of the break is clearer. And the enormity of it is clearer. But at the same time, my faith that we actually can choose another way is also 
more resolute. Mm-hmm. Because I understand that the reason we are where we are is because as a nation, our leaders have made choices over the course of the last 500 years. At every single juncture, they made a choice. In in 1619, they made a choice. When those first 19 and odd Africans um, came over, were brought over on the White Lion, um, a a Dutch and English warship, and having been pirated off of a Dutch ship, um, the people in Jamestown could have said, oh, you know, we're not into that. You know, they could have said, no, we're not, we're not, sure. you know, send yeah, them back, yeah. send them back sure. where they where they mm-hmm. came from. But they didn't. Mm-hmm. They said, okay, we'll, we'll use this labor. We'll use these people, exploit their labor in order to build our own wealth. And we, we won't pay them pittance. Right. But now we have an option, an opportunity to make a different choice. And we've made different choices at different junctures. We made a different choice when we passed the 13th, 14th, and 15th Amendment. We made a different choice when we, when um, the Supreme Court um, ruled in Brown versus the Board of Education. We made a different choice when we passed the Civil Rights and Voting Rights Act, but we have been going backwards. And so now we're at another juncture where we have a choice, a real choice that America has to make. Christians have to make in the next 10 months, actually, because this next election in 2022 will chart the course of the next generation. Um, It's very, very possible that we could see the end of democracy, not just in the South, not just for people of African descent or women or gay people, but for all of America, because it really has gone to every state. You mentioned, and, and this is something that I think a lot of people are perceiving uh, going backwards, that there was a, a window of time in which it seemed like America was starting to make collectively at a systemic level different choices in places of power. And that time was very short. Based on your research, where did the U-turn come from? Why did they, why did white supremacy start pushing back as hard as it did? Well, you'll find this in chapter seven of the book, which is my chapter, Um, because my mom, my mom's generation, right? They were the civil rights generation. Mm -hmm. They were the ones that pushed us over the line, Mm -hmm. that pushed us to the place where the 13th, 14th and 15th Amendments were now going to be protected by law, by the Civil Rights and Voting Rights Act. But now... Um, in the time since then, we had the rise of the religious right. Mm-hmm. We had um, Bob Jones University versus the USA. We had um, uh, Jim Baker and Pat Buchanan and others come to the rescue of Bob Jones University, um, trying to maintain the supremacy of whiteness and purity of whiteness in white space that 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 really was developed ultimately. I mean, they that Bob Jones University was founded way before um, the, the civil Rights Act, but race schools, segregation academies just flourished across the South after the Civil Rights Act. And so it was like a flagship when the United States um, sent a letter to Bob Jones University saying, you're going to lose your your tax-exempt status because you have a segregated campus. White Southerners across the South said, wait, you know, wait a minute, we have we have the ability to segregate because um, because this is what our religion says, right? Well, that's that's exactly what the, how they fought it in the Supreme Court. They said our religion says segregation is the thing, but 
they still lost because that's not actually the the majority rule of what our religion is, as Christians says. that um, that ruling they made a choice they could have said okay we lost maybe we're not getting something here and they could have gone back to the scripture they could have done a deep dive into Genesis into into Jesus into the brownness of Jesus skin into the colonized nature of his people into the serially enslaved nature of his people we could have they could have done that but no, instead, what they did was they looked around and they said, okay, we will not win white male supremacy and purity of white space based on race anymore because it's just not apropos. People aren't going for it anymore. How can we win? And at the same time in America, the cause of, um, of abortion was beginning to rise because it was the very first time in American history we were counting abortions. So we went from zero to 60 in like a matter of a few years. So people got alarmed and shocked. And there was a rising movement right around the 1980, 1983, people saying no more abortion or, you know, we need, we need to do something about this. So they looked at that and said, this is how we can organize. This is how we can do it. And from that point forward, they successfully married the conservative party with, sorry, the conservative ideology with the Republican Party and with evangelicalism. You see so many articles, calls uh, from from Christian leadership to for the church to take the leadership on this issue, to take the lead on 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 racial justice in this country. I think you can find examples of that happening, maybe, but at a systemic level, I would not say that the church has really owned up to that call in a significant way, at least not in my lifetime. Do you have any idea of what that would even look like? Like, what would it take on a practical level for that leadership, for that charge to really be owned? So this actually brings me back to your original question about what gives me hope after knowing how deep the, the problem is. And I said, we made choices. That's what gives me hope, ironically. Mm -hmm. It gives me hope the fact that we made choices because then we can make choices away from living in that way together in the world. We can repent. And that's why I do believe the church is, ironically, our best hope um, at, at turning this all around, at, at repairing what race broke in the world. Because it has been the church um, that has been at the center of this of this problem since the Pope made that first edict in 1453 or four. So what does it look like practically? It looks like churches and denominations and stream sectors of the Christian world um, taking on the question of truth telling. It looks like gathering together and saying, what have we done how have we contributed to this present moment in our nation and in the church where people, young people in particular, in particular, are streaming from the church because they see our hypocrisy. They see how we are living in direct opposition to what we say we believe. And so what it will take first and foremost is a truth-telling, truth-seeking, truth-listening project within the Christian church. Secondly, it will take going to those who have been impacted 
and asking, as David asked the Gibeonites, what do you say we need to do in order for things to be made well with you? And Mm -hmm. in the doing, we acknowledge and bow to the image of God in the other. We come down off the the scaffolding of human hierarchy that we built in order to prop white Christians up, white America up in a world. And we join the human family. We allow ourselves to simply be human. And we share the responsibility of making decisions that shape the world. That's how we repent. Lisa Sharon Harper. You can read more of our conversation with her in the spring issue of Relevant. It's available for Relevant Plus subscribers now and it'll be available wide next week. listening to color vision the song is reckless well no feedback segment this week we'll do it next week <laughs> we, we we you know we told you guys about relevant plus and in the, in the spring issue and uh ran out of time so we'll do your feedback next week uh i think the question was let me see the question was we, your craziest spring break story there is a lot of answers if you want to go check out our replies on the relevant podcast Twitter account. But uh, yeah, we'll bring the we'll bring those next week. And if you didn't send in your craziest spring break story, you can still do it on. Yeah, just tweet us at relevant podcast and tell us tell us we'll we'll bring it next week. Well, hey, big day for relevant. We're very excited. We've been working very hard on relevant plus for I mean, honestly, a year and we can't wait for you to see it. Um, check it out. Uh, hopefully you can subscribe and tell us what you think about the enhanced digital magazine and the new podcasts and all that stuff. And starting, don't forget starting this next podcast uh, is when we change our schedule. So if you're listening to the ad supported free version, this feed that you're currently subscribed to, uh, they will be releasing on Mondays and Thursdays now. So don't freak out that there won't be one in this feed on Friday because the Friday release, the early release is the ad free version that is for Relevant Plus subscribers. So when you subscribe to Relevant Plus, uh, you'll get an email with the links um, to add uh, these private feeds to your podcast players. So that's how that'll work. And you also get a link to download the new issue and all that kind of stuff too when you subscribe. So if you want to Get the ad-free early release version of the podcast. Head over to RelevantMagazine.com and sign up for Relevant Plus. It's uh, it's going to be a fun new era. So uh, let's see. Many thanks to Lisa Sharon Harper for joining us today. Head over to Relevant to uh, you know read more of that conversation in the spring issue. And also make sure to check out her new book, Fortune. Um, and also while you're at the site, uh, check out our daily devotional series, Deeper Walk. Uh, it's presented by Lumo. It's a morning devotional email you can sign up for, or you can just uh, find it every morning there in our faith section. We love Deeper Walk. It's a great way to start your day and thankful to Lumo for supporting it. Um, also, if you like the show, rate it, review it wherever you listen on Apple, Spotify, wherever. Um, 
love to, you know, it helps the algorithm, helps get word out. And we love the feedback. Also, if you like the music we play in the, in the breaks, uh, check out our Spotify playlist. Um, it's called Heard on the Relevant Podcast. And it's, we update it every week. And, you know, we mentioned the rise of the Christian hip hop article and stuff like that. We're actually working on some new Spotify playlists, hip hop, indie, worship. We got those rolling out here in the coming weeks as well. So, uh, yeah, follow Relevant on, on Spotify. We got some stuff cooking over there. All right. On that note, we'll wrap things up. I'm Cameron Strang. I'm Jesse Carey. I'm Derek Miner. And I'm Jamie Ivey. All right. Have a great week, everyone. We'll see you soon, uh, depending on if you're a subscriber or if you're a freeloader. So there you go. Well, that depends on what day you're going to see us. And uh, have Don't fun. Don't be, be a freeloader. Be safe this week celebrating my birthday and Michael Scott's birthday. Be safe out there, everyone. listening to the relevant podcast check out our features interviews and news updates every day at relevantmagazine.com and make sure to follow relevant on facebook twitter and instagram for the latest for more great podcasts browse the shows on the relevant podcast network which you can find at our site and while you're there don't miss the all-new era of relevant magazine a new issue releases every other month at relevantmagazine.com The only exception we'll make is you who. Relevant Podcast Network. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. Hello, everyone. I'm Danny Pellegrino. I'm Jenna Brister. And we are back for season four of a very, very, very iconic, iconic podcast. podcast. Where the two of us recap all the holiday movies we love and some that we don't love so much. Yes, thank you so much for tuning in. Tis the season. That's right. We're covering some classics this year. We are recapping the entire Santa Claus trilogy. We're going to be diving into a Halloween movie this year. Yes. Hocus Pocus 2. That's right. The yes. sequel. We also have I'll Be Home for Christmas starring Jonathan Taylor Thomas. So we are leaning into the home improvement of it all. And if you want to follow along, you can go to Instagram. It's at a very merry iconic podcast on Instagram and be sure to Listen, subscribe, tell a friend. Have a very merry, iconic day. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun... Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.